about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. Even cycle of tradition is being broken in Jesus' name. Someone say amen. If you believe that, shout aloud amen. Or um, what we're going to do this morning, this morning or today is um, I feel that there are different ways of communicating. And I believe in the name of Jesus that God will meet us at our point of need this morning in the name of Jesus. My subject matter that I want to preach or teach about is what I call last week, I spoke about flip the what? This morning, I want to speak about flip the script. Uh, and that came out through my message uh, last week. Because when you flip the switch, you automatically flip the narrative. You flip the script. However, I believe that this morning, let, let me give you a, a scripture. Let's go to the first scripture. The first scripture is Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 to 9. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 to 9. Uh, the Bible says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. We are pressed on every side by troubles. This is where Christian Pentecostals uh, disappear because they feel trouble should never come to them. Trouble should never come to them. Especially the young ones, they feel we should not enter into trouble. But he says we are pressed on every side by troubles, but what? But what? Not? <laughs> I'm seeing some people that didn't say anything. I'm going to bring them up to the stage so that they can preach with me. He says we are pressed on every side by troubles, but not what? Crushed or unbroken. We are what? Perplexed. Because we don't know why things happen as they do. But we don't what? Shout it loud. We don't what? Give up and quit. He says we are hunted down. But God never abandons us. We get knocked down. But we what? Get up again and keep going. So I want to introduce to the stage some young ones who have actually been through this cycle before. Now, plus my wife. And we are just going to start to talk to you. I'm going to bring up Cardi and bring up our Come up to the stage and then bring up my wife. Come, 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 guys. Both of you, come up to the stage. Come. And we're all just going to preach together uh, uh, today because most of the time, you hear pastor preach, you just sit down, you hear pastor preach and teach. Can I move this a bit to this side? A bit, just a bit, so I can be... All right, and pick up your microphone. Take your seats and sit anywhere you want to. Um, and I have, um, over a period of time, this, 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 this concept actually came while I was having... Uh, 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 an interesting uh, time, you, you get used to it. <laughs> it. It does start to move a bit, uh, but mm, yeah, you'll be fine. Uh, 
had an interesting discussion with um, our we were talking about stuff and normally want to love how the young one thinks how what are the struggles what are the things that they're going through and in in our discussion there were things that started to come out that i said you know what it would be great to share this with the church it would be great for some, some for some of you to understand how the things of god actually work and um, the scripture says here that we are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. And as we go through the end of this year towards 2019, one of the things that we deal with is we deal with, we've been speaking about depression and sorrow and all this kind of stuff. Um, but most of the time, many of us, need to realize some certain things as we walk through our Christian faith. And from this scripture, I, I, I took out three major, pro, uh, three major points. Uh, he said, you should switch on your microphones. Uh, he said, number one, you've got to realize, the first hour I'm talking about, is you've got to realize the opposition. Realize the opposition. Realize that opposition is part of life. It's part of life. Every man doing great things come under opposition. Opposition actually authenticates the validity of your dream. When there's opposition, it actually authenticates the validity of your dream. If you have a dream and there's no opposition, then there's no validity. Uh, what is our current or present disappointments may in reality be the foundation of great things in our lives later on. When we look in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, 51 to 52, the Bible says, And Joseph called the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he had made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Uh, if I could get into scriptures, I would have shared something with you. And then he named the second child Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. But as a side, side stop, we'll find out that when Jacob wanted to bless them, he switched hands. He switched hands. Put that scripture up again because there's an important thing there. He put, he, Manasseh was the firstborn, and so in the, in, 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 in the, in the Jewish, uh, can I be both of you? In the, in the Jewish religion, uh, you'll find out that he's the elder. And he is the, turn this way, because so I don't make a mistake. Uh, he's the elder, he is the youngest. So he calls the elder Manasseh. Look at the meaning. For God had made me forget my toil and my father's house. He wanted to forget everything that connected to him. Because everything that connected to him looked like it produced sorrow for him. And then he named the second one, he called him Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful. So in, in the Jewish times, you place your right hand upon the elder, which is Manasseh, and then you place your left hand on the younger one, which is Ephraim, meaning the first one came first. When he wanted to pray, he switched his hands like this, and he placed his right hand on Ephraim, and placed his left hand on what? On Manasseh. And just as a side this, this looks exa exactly as what was going to happen years to come when Jesus came, who died on the cross. There was a switch. Are you following what I'm saying? And why did he do that? Because he was saying, no, what first came was fruitfulness. Then you will forget. You are fruitful. That's why you are able to forget your toil. 
Because every time you look at your fruitfulness, you'll be able to rejoice God for the toil that you went through. But most of us, we always put the problem first before we put the blessing. But if there was no toil, there would be no fruitfulness. So don't look at the toil, look at the fruitfulness. Did you, did you just see what happened? And, and the reason why you went through what, what you went through was because there must be an opposition to your dream. If there's no opposition, then there is no dream that will come to pass. And so his father was saying, there's a switch here. There's a switch. Because Jesus said, I'm going to make you forget your sin because I am the righteousness. I come first, then the sin comes behind. Because when you see me first, you will no more see sin. He was the sacrifice place for us. You can go, go and sit down. And, 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 and many of us don't realize that there is opposition. Friends, let me quickly say this and then I will ask a question. Uh, when we look at the life of Gideon, we found out that in the life of Gideon, he was plowing the, 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 the field while everybody else in Israel had run away. The, the, the story that we need to recognize is that many times we shut down when we're supposed to keep going. Don't shut down on the account of your challenges and the oppositions that come against you. Don't use the unfavorable environment you're in as an excuse to shut down. I'm going to ask Kyle a question because he shared a powerful testimony with me about opposition and about how the environment sometimes can be very unfavorable. Let, let, me, let, me, let me hand it over to you. Yes. Uh, morning everyone. I, um, some of you may or may not know about 10 years ago, I decided to change careers and I decided instead of brief background, I got a degree in aerospace engineering. I worked in industry for a year, didn't like it, thought it was boring. So I figured instead of designing planes, I'll fly them instead. And, um, yeah, I embarked on a, a degree, uh, a course flying planes about 10 years ago. I took exams. There's a bunch of exams you have to take. Uh, the ground school, the red school part. I took 14 of them. I averaged about 93%. It took a while to get that done. I was quite pleased with myself. I worked hard to work on my dream of what I wanted to do. Um, there's a deadline that those exams are valid for that you need to take your flight test in. If you don't take your flight test in those times, you have to do the exam again. I worked extremely hard to get those flight tests done in time. It cost a lot of money. I borrowed. I worked, I sold stuff, made it work. Either way, I took those, I got it done, but I didn't actually have enough money to submit the application, but I got the test done in time. I submitted my application about a month or two months after. I got a letter back saying, sorry, <laughs> you didn't submit the application before the deadline, even though you took the test before the deadline. You and how much did you lose? I would lose at that time about 14,000 pounds. Yeah, and... Uh, I, was 14, I, didn't, I didn't have 300 to submit the application, so 14,000 pounds would be a lot of money. Um, I was told I'd take those again. I appealed uh, because I thought that was unfair. And they got back to me a few months later saying, not only did the appeal not come through, because to me, God provided the money at the last hour. And I actually, and this is it's important as well, because sometimes you think, okay, surely God is with me. Because this is what I thought. I generally thought God provided the money. I actually, I got, it, I got it done, like literally the month before I had to get it done. 
surely this is God. I got it done. I was happy. I was thankful. I breathed a sigh of relief. I had it done. So surely this appeal will come through in my mind. That's what I felt. And when they said no, I was, yeah, I was broken. I couldn't believe it. And they said no to me at the end of August. Now, I don't want to go on too long, but me and my wife had just bought a house. The house needed a lot of work. I'd moved back in with my parents. I'd moved home with my mum because it was closer to my son's school. And I had until, they told me in August, I had until the end of November to do all 14 exams again. Now, this is something that took me six months to do full time. But now this is something I had to do while I was working, while I was trying to get the house done, because the house needed a lot of work. So, and this, and make no mistake about this, I'm, I can say this confident. This is, this was, these three months were the hardest, the hardest three months of my life. And essentially, my day consisted of waking up at four o'clock in the morning, Come on. studying until seven, going to work, doing a full day's work, going to the house, overseeing the builders, seeing what they needed, do they need any materials, are they doing things right, going to my mother-in-law's house to see my wife and my kids, spend some time with them, going home, sleeping, 4 a.m., up, repeat, for three months, Monday to Saturday, three months, every single day. Have you ever woken up in the morning, <laughs> your alarm goes off, and you feel sorry for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> like, the alarm goes off at 4 o'clock, and it's like, is this life? <laughs> again is this life but to the glory of God the house got done I passed all my exams albeit with an 88% average as opposed to 93 a little bit lower but we'll take it <laughs> and um, I got it done to the glory of God I got those exams done and like I said that was a hard hard period and it came my time where I thought you did this for me in time why, why would you let me do this in time and get my hopes up to let me down but sometimes you need to like pastor just said you need to look at the fruitfulness at the end of that year 2014 we had a house my family was healthy and i passed my exams and i didn't have to do those flight tests again so yeah i had to do the exams again i had to endure hardship there was a lot of opposition but the fact of the matter is i passed those exams again we now have a house and everyone's everyone's happy so sometimes you do need to look at the fruitfulness and the hardship is, is part and parcel. Trial and tribulations will, they will come. Tell, I know I've, we've scripted it a number. Tell them what happened after that because it looks like everything was good. It looked like God had answered your question. It looked like the opposition is dead. It looks like uh, you're no more perplexed and pressed on all sides. But after the whole 4 a.m., issue after all that you and your family still had to go through some stuff even in the giving birth of your child tell them if the opposition ended <laughs> okay so even okay so this is 2014 i'm going to scale back slightly yeah so again i'm trying being conscious of time but um 2008 is when I decided I wanted to change careers and basically to do a flight, to do a, to become a pilot to do the course essentially you're looking at about 70,000 pounds and at the time HSBC did a scheme with the school I decided to go to which is essentially at the Oxford of Aviation and they had a scheme with HSBC I was eligible for the scheme I applied for the scheme for the loan and 
the recession happened. They withdrew the scheme for everybody and that was it. And the new bank that they brought in, I wasn't eligible for the criteria because their criteria was much higher. And I wasn't eligible for that. So I had to look for the money. I sold entertainment brands. I did fundraisers. A few of you might remember. I know a few of you came to that. It was, uh, it was a lot. But I managed to secure the first deposit. And I had promises for the other two. Started the course. was doing great. Again, as far as I'm concerned, if, if I pray to God, I work hard, and I believe I can achieve it, I can achieve it. So yeah. I was putting in the hard work so I could achieve what I wanted. Um, time for the second installment came, and yeah, it was the people that had that did promise me the the funds. The recession hit them too, and everyone was on hard times. And the day that I was supposed to sit my last set of exams, they said they withdrew me from the course. They said, "Sorry, until you pay the money, that's it." Somehow, some way, we got the money by the end of 2010, which was the first deadline. I took those exams again. This is where the 93% comes in. So at that point, I got a job, I started working, and this is what needed to be done. Work, save, and see what we can do. And all this time, I'd already spent about a year and a half in limbo, thinking, are these promises going to come through? Is this money going to come through? Is it not? And it's, it's not easy not being in control of your destiny. And I've always walked in faith. Like, and I'm not saying my life has always been perfect, but one thing I can definitely say about myself at the time, which I'll touch on again later, is that I've always had faith that if I want to do something... God is with me. I can definitely do it. Whatever it is I want to do, I can do it. So I believe that money was going to come. I genuinely believe in my heart. There's no way that it wouldn't come. God can see what I'm doing. He can see I'm working hard. This money's definitely going to come. So that happened and the money didn't come. <laughs> the long and short of the situation is the money didn't come. And I had to the end of 2013 to get these flight tests, the initial ones done that I was talking about. So my mom sold a house that she had in Dagenham. My wife sold her car. I worked for about three years, 2013, my wife was pregnant, it's like, this is it. You need to go now, because the next stage was in America to do this. I didn't have enough money to go back to that school, so I terminated my contract with them, took a 5,000 pound hit after I gave them about 30,000 pounds. The, the amount that I'd done with them, they took that out. They took the 5,000 pound penalty out, and then they gave me the rest. And I went onto a modular course, I went to America to find places to do it cheaper. Uh, my, wife, my daughter was due in June. I went to America to do my training in February, the beginning of February. I spoke to the instructors there. They said, mm, technically, you can get it done in that time, but truth be told, no one gets it done in that time. I'm getting it done in that time. <laughs> That's the long and short of the situations. I'm getting it done at that time. So I was taking slots that people didn't want to take. The slots in the early morning, the slots late at night, I was taking them. And... I got everything done in the minimum hours. Everyone normally needs remedial hours. I got everything done in the minimum hours, and I got it done early. They couldn't believe it. The instructors couldn't believe it. My fellow students couldn't believe it. But again, hard work. Faith without works is dead. Come on. So Come on. I'm working hard. I brought my flight forward a week. My wife had preeclampsia. My daughter was born four weeks early, and I still missed it. I watched, I watched my daughter's birth on FaceTime. Mm. So, again, my daughter made, and my whole family's had to make sacrifices. With her first breath, she's had to make a sacrifice of, not, of me not being there, all for this, this dream. Because it's very easy to be very tunnel vision, like, this is what I want, I'm going for, and Come. you don't care what anyone else around is doing. And my whole family had to sacrifice. Every single penny I had was being funneled into this dream. There were no holidays. Initially, my wife wasn't my wife, and it's like, 
marriage for no, not doing that no one's thinking about marriage right now everything's about this course and there were no holidays there was no marriage there was no lavish gifts no nothing every penny that i had was getting funneled into this and even though i let that go in 2010 after the exams and we started to ease up i got married to my wife in 2011 to the glory of god um and and that's another thing i do want to say is that yeah. sometimes guys feel they need to get everything in order before they get married. And that's not necessarily true because I was trying my hardest to get all these things done. And in three years, I didn't really get much done. I got married to my wife and yeah, it might seem like this is an expense and you want to be in this position or that position. She might hold the key to what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. And my wife, the support that my wife has given me in this journey is, I can't, I can't even explain. I can't even put into words. The sacrifices that she's made, she sold her car, she's, she's moved into her mum, she's looked after the kids while I've gone away for months to, to chase this dream. And um, I got it done. I got back. Now there's an issue of converting because all my licenses are American. I need to convert them to European licenses. And I'm sorry this seems long-winded, but um, I went to Poland to do that because it's cheaper and the school's reputable. Uh, I had reservations about Poland because things that when the when the World Cup was on, I don't know if anyone saw that documentary <laughs> with Saul Campbell. It's like Poland is racist and they don't like black people and all the rest of it. And my plan was to go hotel, keep my head down, school, do my work, go home, not go out anywhere, and hopefully no one troubles me and everyone leaves me alone. Poland is amazing. Mm. I had a great time in Poland. Mm. Like. Which is one of my favorite places now. Like, I love to go there. It's, it's amazing. So, really, like, yay, the whole walk from the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yeah, and that's yeah. not to say that Polish people are evil because they're far from it. They're lovely people. But what I'm saying is, even with my reservations, I went there and there was a peace. Hmm. I, I had a great time and I got everything I needed to do, I got done. So, now we're fast forwarding again. So, that got done. Surely. All the trials and tribulations are done. I've had trials from 2008 to 2013. This is five years of trials and tribulations. Surely, actually no, 2014, because I had to take the exams again. Um, six years of trials and tribulations. And this was at the end of the year in November. So New Year's Eve 2014, I'm here. I'm praying. I'm writing this prayer point down. 2015, pastor, write down all your prayer points. I've written them down. Surely this year must be the year. I'm going to get a job. No doubt. Definitely. No job. <laughs> no, no job. I had, uh, I had my commercial pilot's license. I had everything I needed. No job. I was applying and I wouldn't even get replies. My applications were falling down at the first hurdle. And at this point, the people I started with in 2008 had already secured jobs. Some of them were getting their captaincies already. And all the people that I finished with in Poland were getting jobs. And what I found is they all had a thing called uh, MCC and a jet orientation course. I didn't have that. It's an extra £5,000. If I didn't have to spend that, I didn't want to. But everyone that was getting jobs around me had it. So, again, working hard, saving. I had to go away. I had to do this course. I did it. And it was, it was good. I was getting further in my applications. I was getting through to, like, second and third stages. And that was great. So... Fast forward, I took this in 2016. Fast forward to the end of 2016, I applied for Thomas Cook. I had an interview in January. Now, two things I want to say is generally people tend to get their first jobs with EasyJet, Ryanair, and with those you have to pay for your type rating, which is 
to fly a specific type of plane, you need a type rating for that plane. It's about £30,000. Ryanair, EasyJet, the like, they make you pay for that yourself. <laughs> they make you pay for that yourself. So um, Thomas Cook would pay for that for me. That's, that's on top of the 70000 That's on top of the 70000 has already been paid. <laughs> the 70000 I've, I've spent 70000 already. I've spent more than that already. But this is 30000 on top of that just to fly that specific plane. And... Generally, with all my friends that have got jobs, the closest person to London, I mean the closest person to London, is based in Edinburgh. The rest of them are based in Portugal, Spain, because wherever they post you, if you want the job, that's where you have to go, and that's it. So it would mean either me moving away from my family or me uprooting my family. So Thomas Cook, their biggest base is in Gatwick. I live in Croydon. Gatwick's about 45 minutes away. This is amazing. Surely, surely, this is, this is God. Um, I had a friend that took the interview a week before me. He came back, he told me everything to expect, what to prepare for. I was prepped. I was fully prepped. I revised and studied everything. We were fasting in January. It's like, this is, God is writing his testimony. And he's writing his testimony well. You're fasting in January. I went for an interview. I got a job. They're paying for my typewriter. I'm based at Gatwick. This is, this is a great testimony, right? Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how this goes. Um, I got there. Interview went great. And when I say this, I've been to a few interviews, and sometimes you go for interviews and you leave, and it's like, oh, I should have said this. They stumped me on that question. Why didn't I give this example? No. This interview was flawless. Flawless. The technical interview, every single question answered right. Every single question. The group exercise, I already knew what the exercises were going to be. I felt like I was cheating. <laughs> I, was, I was that prepared. Only to be told, sorry, they, there was 12 of us for this assessment day. Uh, they split us into two groups. They came to my group and said, sorry, you guys, this is the end of the line. I felt like I was in a bad dream. Like, this, no, how? How? Like, I'm fasting at this moment. <laughs> like, right now, as you're telling me this, I haven't eaten. Like, what are we, <laughs> what are we even talking about here? Um, and that was that. Uh, I was broken. I can't, I can't even lie to you. I was broken, and I went to a very, very, very dark place. Mm. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to see anyone. Like, I believed with everything inside me that this was God. This was God making a situation straight and perfect for me because of my hardship, because I've been through hardship. And every time that anyone asked me, oh, so how's your flying? Or you, you still want to be a pilot? Like, I'd, honestly, I'd die a little inside. Please stop asking me that. I wish everyone would stop asking me mm. that. I didn't want to... I believed with everything inside me. I couldn't... That was it for me. I was done. I had, as far as I was concerned, I had nothing left. And depression is real. When you've been through hardship and you Come feel that you've done, you've worked hard. I've worked hard. Hmm. I've sacrificed. My family sacrificed. I've prayed hard. I've written this, this prayer point for three years in a row. Like, what more do I need to do? And at that point is when I can say all the other hardships, they were hard, but my faith was still, it still existed. At that point... I'm being honest with you and I'm saying at that point when I didn't get that job, the devil stole my faith. That's a fact. Like, my subtle doubt then became unbelief and it's like, mm. what, what is this? Like, what more do I need to do? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Am I, am I not your son? Are you, am I Job now? What's going on? 
And um, I was in that state for a while, for about two, three... No. I was in that state for about four or five months, <laughs> to be honest. I was in that state for a while, but you have to work yourself out of it. You have to surround yourself with positive people. You have to feed positive messages into, into your life. And there was, a, there was a sermon that Pastor preached, and I don't know who runs the, the podcast for the church. Whoever you are, bless you. Because mm. I like... I like podcasts. They're just things you can put on on your commute and you can just listen to sermons and stuff and it's easier to get. I know they sell CDs or you can say you can download it. Let's be honest, when you're on the tube, you can't, there's no internet. You can't listen to it online. No one's got a CD player anymore. You can't, it's not. But the podcasts work. They really, really work. And um, I was listening to sermons and I built myself back up. And you have to. And it's hard. I'm not going to try and play it down and act like it's easy. Because when you've worked hard for something and you don't get it, it's hard. It's difficult. And you need to. You need to surround yourself with positive people. You need to take stock of the good things that you have in your life. Because you might think, oh, I didn't get that job. I didn't get that husband. I haven't lost this weight. I haven't. Whatever it is. And honestly, you're healthy. You can walk, you have food, you have a roof over your head, you, need to, you have family and friends that love you. Mm. You need to take stock of the good things in your life and just sort of move on. And also in the midst of that, try to help someone else because once you help someone achieve their dream, you can gain at least some sort of fulfillment from that. Mm. Um, anyway, I worked my way out of that and um, there's an airport near my house called Biggin Hill. They, do, they operate private jets. And... Private jets is a sort of thing where it's sort of like a, it's who you know, they want the most, because you're flying executives, aristocrats, they want the best pilots. They want to know that he's flown for BA and he's been a captain and I've spent X amount of money, I want the best of the best of everything. So generally new pilots don't, <laughs> don't get jobs there. So uh, I went there. First day I went there, they... Most places wouldn't even let me in the door. Other places I gave my CV, you could tell. The moment I stepped out, they were taking that, they were throwing that in the bin. Before you go on that, I'm going to hold that thought a bit because I want some of us to be able to digest what we're talking about. This was a great form of opposition. And we ask ourselves sometimes when we face opposition, what, what, what do we do when we're down? Because... The great thing I love about this testimony was he was fasting and it was January. And I failed while I was fasting too. Uh, and, and people on this panel, I'm going to bring our in now, we failed even while fasting. What, 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 what happens? Because that's why many people don't come to church anymore because they feel... God has let them down. The two things clear is you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. It is a dark place. Even me, even my wife, we've been through that. You will go. That's why you've got to realize the opposition. It is a dark place. But the one thing that he said that blessed me, and I wrote it down here, is that don't doubt the covenant when it does not immediately happen. And number two I put here is remind God of his covenant word. Not that he needs reminding, but you need to remind him as you're reminding yourself. 
he, he told me one time, he said he downloaded one of the, um, the apps, the, the, the podcast, and it was uh, uh, something about doubt. I preached the message uh, 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 where, 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 you, where you move with your doubt, you pray with your doubt, you stuff with your doubt. In fact, actually, it's, it is a, it's a fantastic message. But the question is, what do you do when you go through a dark place? I was being through that. I would tell me, what, how, did you, how did you walk through it? And then we'll come, because many of you want to know what the end of that testimony is. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to it. We'll come to it. We'll come to it. Because we love the ends of the testimony. But many people do not understand that you go through a trial. You go through wilderness before the promised land. You go through the pit and the prison before you get to the palace. But you hear that. But you say, let it happen to someone else and not to me. How, tell me, Switch, how did you cope with it? What, where were you? Um, so after we spoke, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then during the week, I was like, um, I'm going to be speaking in front of a church and talking about things that are personal. And yeah, so I didn't want to. But then during the week, um, it just happened that they were talking a lot about mental health in the news and about mm. the number of young people especially experiencing mental health. Um, and then for me, this was, that was not news because the work that I was doing before, um, I've come across a lot of cases the cases that I had young people that I was dealing with from age, you know, I was talking to my brothers, like even from reception age, that would be age four, that I had cases where kids were being excluded because of behavioral difficulties. And normally people act out when there's something going on internally that they cannot um, understand. So for me, um, I've had a struggle with um, my emotional well-being and mental health for um, a long time. But I think this year was especially difficult for me um, because I feel like the years of pain and hurt that I basically felt like accumulated. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes we can go through life um, experiencing things and experiencing hurt. And somehow we managed to pull through. And I think like Heidi was saying, you know, at, at some point he was pushing through, pushing through years and years. And then you get to a point when you just think, God, I can't do this. This is just too much. Like, is this what life is? And for me, I struggled to understand um, the whole thing about life and challenges because I thought, well, if you overcome a challenge, then things should just be smoother from there on. So why do I keep experiencing loss and challenges? Um, for me, the major thing that happened in um, 2014, so I lost my mom, so my mom got diagnosed with cancer. Um, and for, you know, anyone who probably had, had experience of a loved one being ill. Um, sorry. So for me, it was, um, it was a major loss because I didn't sort of grow up with my mom or spend my childhood with my mother. So it, it was more, because she came to this country when I was very little and, you know, so I had experiences of living back in Sierra Leone um, and going from home to home and not having people that really cared, that really loved me. Mm. So I experienced a lot of verbal and physical abuse when I was younger. 
Um, so I had that hurt from childhood, and then it was like coming to my mum was like my, you know, my heaven, my safe haven. I was looking forward to that. Um, and obviously I came, you know, to this country, and obviously because of life in the UK, as many people know, for people who migrate here, you have to work a lot to take care of. She had three children, so she had to do work a lot. So we didn't really have that time when I moved it was to bond and to really build that relationship. And so when we, my siblings and I graduated from, from the uni, the youngest is 13, so most of us had graduated, and I thought, oh, this is time now to enjoy life, mom, you don't have to work as much, we can just enjoy life and spend more time together. And then it was literally my brother, the year my brother graduated that July, so we went to my brother's graduation knowing the diagnosis. Um, and it just completely, and during that, she was ill for seven, up to seven, eight months before she passed away. And during that period, I saw a strong woman that could literally work 24-7 and not rest, just completely diminished in front of me. Um, she lost, she had, um, she went through radiotherapy, and that was the first treatment she had to do. And after two treatments, she had a seizure and completely lost her ability to communicate properly. Mm. So for that six, seven months, we were not able to communicate and have conversations and talk through. And I didn't feel I could really support my mom through that period. Um, so I was experiencing that. And all the time, we were all trying to, obviously, can you just, so when she asked me, are you okay? Like, you know, sometimes she would just look at me. It's like, all she can say is, hi, is this too much for you? And I would just say, no, mom, I'm okay. I'm okay, and so I kept praying to God, like, God, this is something, you know, I believe in healing, I believe you can do this, yeah. da, da, da. and I remember the day that she passed away, went to the hospital, and I came home, and it was just a few days before Mother's Day, and I kept declaring, my mom will be home by Mother's Day, we'll celebrate her, we'll do this, da, da, da. Um, and we got, went back to the hospital, and, you know, she just, Basically, something happened. She was eating and just choked, and that was the end. She went into um, coma. Yeah, she said she couldn't breathe, basically, and the doctors had to come in, rush in, and they were trying, and all that while I was praying, Lord, help her, help her, don't let her die, help her. Um, and then she passed away, and for me, that was just like, this is actually the end. Like, it was just a shock to my system because I didn't know. I didn't believe or think that she would die because I thought, God, you're going to heal her and she's going to be okay and we're going to have an opportunity to have a life together because I didn't have my mum growing up. Um, so she passed away and, you know, everything, for me, it was like, from that on, it's like emotionally I shut down. I hardly cried. My emotions, I was not in touch with my emotions for most of that period. Um, and... You know, at that time, I had to be there for my younger brother and really help out with him. And I thought, let me just get there. My siblings, I became like, my mom was like the rock in our family. So I, I took on that role automatically. So for my sisters, my siblings, I had to be strong. I had to listen to their problems. I had to help bring solutions. So that was me. Like, anybody comes, like, I have this answer. And I will talk to them about God and say, yeah, God is the solution, da, da, da. And all the while, I was struggling to actually believe that God could solve my own problems. Um... And there's something like the point that I got to, um, so all this while, so my mom passed away, so it's almost four years now, and all this while I've been struggling, like I said, I tried to contain myself, tried to contain my life, mm. um, and, but it got to a point I couldn't do it anymore, I could not 
get myself through a day or two. <laughs> it was literally like every other day. Getting through a day felt like I've just been through a battlefield and I've been knocked out by the end of the day. That's how my life felt. And it's interesting that Pastor talked about flipping the script because most of the script in my mind was you're always going to have losses. Like I, I had high levels of, you know, experiencing high levels of anxiety because I was expecting the worst in every situation. Like what's the next bad thing that's going to happen to mm. me? Um, and that was my expectation about life. So I couldn't look beyond, you know, the next five years because I was dreading it. And, you know, so I got to the point... Um, where I was just like, I can't take this anymore. And the thing is as well, I, you know, for a long time I struggled to seek help because I thought, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I should have faith to deal with this. You know, I felt, you know, even things like, because I was experiencing really heaviness on my chest and tightness, and I felt even going to the GP would be like, God, I'm not believing you that I don't think you can do this. So I really struggled to reach out and, and talk about things um, with people during that time because I thought that would mean acting against faith. Um, but one thing that's interesting, the um, scripture that was read, Second Corinthians, when it was talking about we are knocked down, we experience problems in the same way yeah. that unbelievers do, um, and we go through pain. And, and I think I didn't realize then that God understands our, humani our humanity more than we do as Christians. He understands our weaknesses and yes. he knows our pain more than, better than we do. Mm -hmm. um, but at the, that time, I didn't think, you know, God understood that I, as a Christian, I just had to soldier on, I just had to be strong, I just had to keep going. And, um, but the thing is, I realized that actually we get to a point when we are knocked down and we need somebody to help us get back up again. Um, and so I started to reach out, I actually went to the GP because I was, I was thinking this is bad, it might be cancer because my mom had cancer, because she had issues with, she had lung cancer, and for a long time she had issues, um, she had issues, you know, around her chest, gastric reflux, I thought, oh, maybe something is wrong, so I didn't want to go, but then I went and they told me that actually it, the, the heaviness and the tightness to do with the fact that emotional problems manifesting physically, so that's how much issues I'd accumulated pain over the years I had not dealt with that had now physically manifested in my body. Like I was tense constantly, you know, like the flight of fight mode. Yes. I was constantly, so basically I was constantly perceiving threats in my environment in the sense that in my mind, there's always something bad about to happen. That's how I was functioning in my life. So imagine that, like you're constantly in that mode. That's, that's torture for your body, for your mind, for your emotions. Mm. Um, so, you know, so I, had to, so I started reaching out. And the thing is, over the years, I've been reaching out, and I started reaching out more. I was like, okay, God, whatever I need to do, I sought out counseling, I sought out, spoke to my GP, I had tried anxiety medication. I've basically, I've, whatever I was willing to do, I was praying. Um, but the thing is, the script that was still going on in my head, even though I was reaching out for all this support, yeah. was that you're... Like, I dreaded loss, like, mm. and the pain, it was painful because, and I realized you don't just get up and go when you, when you experience that depth of pain, like, you more, like, you know, and, and I realized, and I, and I think one thing I'm saying is not medication that's going to solve your problem because mm. there's so much hurt and it's comfort there, like, you need to, and I think I was not compassionate to myself because I thought, why am I feeling this way? Why am I... I thought I was being weak because, you know, I was ambitious. I wanted to get on with my career. I just want to pursue, like, if I stop, Lord, mm. everybody's going to get ahead of me. People are just going to keep going, and I'm going to find myself in the same place for life. Um, 
So for me, it was more, you know, God has to really get me to stop and just say, it's okay. Mm. Like, to take time to heal. It's okay to, to work on yourself and your emotion and re-end it. Like, you have to be able to get to that point. And for me, it's only recently, because before I was turning to all the wrong things for comfort and support. I was turning to pornography because I thought, God, you can't, do, you can't help me through this. I need something to relieve me of this pain. Mm. I can't, I've cried out to you so many times. Why are you not helping me? Um, and but I got to the point, and I remember, like, I just had the experience where I turned, I was really emotionally mm. in pain, and God was just like, and the Holy Spirit almost just reminded me, remove access, because if, I, if I'm going through life relying on something else other than God to comfort me, yes. then I will never really get to experience God in a way that will bring healing um, in my life. So I had to get rid of the pornography, so he said, get rid of access. So I had to literally call my friend and I was just like, you know what, I don't want this in my life. And everything that I was using to get access, I had to get rid of it. I had to take that drastic step and I was like, okay, God, when I feel pain, I'm not going to reach out for that. Hmm. I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to reach out to you. And God started to show me ways of coping. And the thing is, it's things I had tried over time and maybe I didn't do it consistently maybe for one week or it didn't work and then I stopped Come or on. try again for one so it's the same it's not anything new the things I've learned in church the things I've learned in, through counseling the things I've learned from talking to people that is the same strategy but it's like now God said okay just try again just yeah. try again try praying again try listening to worship music when you're down try this again it's the same thing it's nothing new that I've tried mm. but this time around I'm trying with a mindset that, okay God I learned that maybe life is not going to be, it's not about having an easy life, an easy ride. Maybe being a Christian, it's not about I pray and God answers every time. Come on. And maybe I have to learn how to just do life with you. Mm. And it's not about coming to you when I need help or God help me and then I get resolved and then I go away. Maybe it's about more about relationship. And so God is literally like, it's not that I'm, I've gone through and I'm like, oh yeah, but it's like God is now teaching me how That's to it. go through That's because it. I wanted a way out. I wanted an escape route. I, wa- I didn't want to feel the pain. I didn't want to feel the loss. I wanted to just say, God, you know, just take it away. Just lay hands on me or something, mm. you know, just do that. Um, but he is teaching me that actually that's not what I want for you mm-hmm. um, that I want to teach you how to deal because challenges will come, come on. you know I don't know if this is the last challenge in my life and I pray that I don't experience loss to this extent again but mm. I know that life is not that predictable that mm. things will happen that will literally just shock us and just think whoa and even as a Christian and I think that's what we have to understand even as a Christian on, you God. will face challenges but come God on. it doesn't mean that God is not with you or that God doesn't love you because I thought oh God you don't love me you're good to these people but you're not good to me mm. um, but so it's all the mindset so again I had to start changing the script and start coming to a point when I would agree more with what God was saying so if somebody <laughs> said how are you can do this I now believe them rather than say oh well you know, you're just saying that. If someone, you know, if, if I read a scripture and it's saying this about, I was like, okay, I will choose when I'm having that negative thought, I'm going to That's challenge it. it. Mm. You know, because I had thoughts, even things like, you, you know, I'll, I'll beat myself. If I make a mistake, I'll be like, literally have a fit in my mind. It's going on. You're so stupid. Why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you? And I would be beating myself up. Hmm. And now it's like, no, I'm not stupid. No, I, you know, yes, I made a mistake, but it's not the end. Thanks. I can get up again and keep going. Yes. You know. Yeah. Mm. 
short allergy. Mm. And one of the process allergy was to actually purge yourself. And when I mean purge yourself is because most of the time we tend to hold a lot of things in and you need to communicate because when you carry all this burden yes. and pain in you, it's like a cancer. And what you need to do is find someone that you can actually open up to. Mm -hmm. And I've come over the years with our when she joined the church years ago and all that. And one thing she did was she seeked help. Mm. And just being open because you see sometimes when we hide, the enemy keeps us in that darkness. And your pastor was giving illustration last week about darkness. Until you switch on the light, you keep falling and you won't move out of darkness. So what she did was she forged herself like, look, I need to be honest with myself. I need help. Mm. But if you don't, the enemy will hold you back. So find someone that you can speak to. Open up and just trust God that things will work out because in your process of not hiding behind those things, you get freedom. You get released from the pain, from the hurt, from what you're going through, things that you've been struggling with for years, and that is the way we need to move forward. So that depression or doubt or fear that the enemy wants to bring upon our lives will not have a hold on us. And it's just us moving us, believing that, you know what, when I say it and I believe that God will help me, when you seek help, you will find help. Yes. Even when you seek God, God says, seek me first, and then you will find it. And it's just like you went to God. and. She was talking about access. You see, when you really want to do things, you need to put certain things in place. You need to be accountable. Mm -hmm. Let someone have, know what you're doing because you can't do it in your own power. Most of the time we fail before, but you need someone to urge you on to say, you, you can't do it. And if we need to put certain things in place to stop you from falling or tripping, then that has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Can, um, Sorry, can, no, yes. can I add to that? And also, like, just don't feel ashamed if you're dealing with anything that like you feel a sense of shame because Good. I felt ashamed for a long time because mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. I was like, how can I be a Christian and I'm watching these things or I'm mm. doing this? But you, certain behaviors, like I said, it's a result. You, no normal person just wants to, you're seeking something yes. out of that, you know, behavior. There's something that you're seeking. And, you know, for me, I found that I can't find it in that. Um, but the shame, you know, I've, you know, like I said, I had to open up to my friend. I had to open up to pastor. I sent, mm -hmm. you know, a message to pastor a while back in January. And I was like, pastor, this is what I'm struck. Like, I was, mm -hmm. I was willing to talk about it because I was like, I don't want to deal with this anymore on my own. Um, and it doesn't have to be even with any addiction because there are different addictions anyway. Exactly, Food, even yes. anything that you turn to for comfort other Good. than um, the right things, then, you know, other than God even, Good. is something that, you know, you need to work on, you need to try and talk about. And I know that there is no shame. There is no Good. shame in it because mm. I realize that actually God is not looking at me and think, oh, you, you yes. perverse person, like yes. why? He's not looking at me in that way. And I have to start seeing myself that actually this is not my story. It's not even the, the major part of my story. This is just a, something mm. that I was using mm. to get through life. Mm. And, you know, it's not me. And God knows that the real me, and that's what he wants me to um, experience. So please don't be ashamed about anything that you may be dealing with. Even if it's depression, mm. like, don't be, how many people I've spoken to that opened up and said, actually, I've dealt with depression. You would be shocked how many people actually deal with it and never talk about it. Mm. So don't suffer in silence, you know, even if it's just dealing with negativity and, and negative mindsets and thinking I will never amount to anything, I will never make mm. it. Um, or, you know, God is, doesn't love me. You know, he does, he's blessing everybody else, but not me. I believe things about myself that, oh, I will never get married. Nobody wants me. Nobody desires me because, oh, you know, I'm never, no, like, that's all lies. You have mm. to really flip the script and start saying 
the, because those, um, that script you played in your mind is just giving you that emotional feeling, that feeling you're feeling mm. because of what you're saying to yourself mm. constantly. So you have to change the script. And even if you don't feel great for the first couple of weeks that yes. you say it, yeah. keep saying it keep until saying. it changes your behavior, behavior. And, your, and your mood and your emotions because then that's when you start to come out of depression and start to think, oh, maybe there's hope now for my future. And then you start to attempt things that you would never have attempted. You start to socialize more and believe that Preach you are beautiful and, and I believe I'm a gift and I believe I will, yeah. I'm a come gift. Come on. Yeah. 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 Can I just add to that? I was talking about shame. And you know what? For a long time as well, I felt shame. because You yes. know what? There's yes. a statistic in life that said everyone in three girls or ladies have been raped or mm -hmm. abused sexually mm -hmm. and you know for a long time obviously I was abused as a young girl and you see when you carry that body and it was the shame of you thinking maybe it was your fault for being abused or being mm -hmm. raped do you understand and a lot of us go through that in life so for 20 odd years I carried that with me because of the shame and not having the confidence to talk about it even though people see you and say you're beautiful but inside you feel this disgust and just you don't feel good about yourself that you carry the burden of shame, then the burden of unforgiveness, yeah. the burden of bitterness, do you understand? And it's so heavy on you until you let go. And I can assure you that what brought my freedom was after 20 odd years, and I thought, you know what, this is just too much. Because it has a way of affecting your life. Because even if you don't realize that it's affecting you, it holds you back. Yes, yes. It holds even, and I think I got to that point, probably as a teenage lady or when I was, um, Growing up, I thought, okay, I can handle it. But when I got married, mm -hmm. and it was still affecting me, and it wanted to come between our relationship, I had to have that courage to now step up and say, you know what, I'm not going to be ashamed of this. Mm -hmm. This wasn't my fault. Do you mm -hmm. understand? I was a victim. I was abused. I was taken advantage of. But because, you know, when you grow up as a lady, you feel, I can't say it. You know, I see other people talking about it. I'm like, oh, you can do that, but I can't. Because of the shame and the fear that, you know what, I don't want anybody to know my story. I don't want anybody to, but you know what, when you now speak out, yes. you get that freedom. Yes. There's this big release, this big body. Mm. So the day I had the courage that I was even able to now speak to my husband, I said, you know what, why I hold back in certain areas is because of what I've been through. Mm. And that day, I was op able to open up and just opening up and saying, look, this is some, one th and something that a relative did to me mm. and I've actually affected my life for 20 odd years, being raped at the age of 10. Mm. And I, wasn't, I didn't have the courage to say anything until I was about 30. It was just that bad. Mm. And you know what, by the time I let go, the burden came out. I was so free that, you know what, I have this confidence in God that, mm. you know what, because I, you know, I keep going to God and God said, look, you need to forgive. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm forgiven, but you need to act. Because most of the time we say, I've forgiven you. You need to act it. So I had to act it. And you know what? For me to be able to pick up the phone one day and call that same person that has actually abused me to say hello. And even when I go home and ask after that person. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to let go. And you know, for my boldness, because whenever you speak out, and you think you've got a shame. Do you know how many people you're going to free from mm. that body? Yes, yes. Until you open up, you think you're the only one. You're not the only one. Mm. There's a lot of people going through that. And your life sometimes, of course, we don't want to go through it, but our life is a testimony to actually deliver others from pain and from where the enemy wants to hold us in that darkness. Mm. So just doing that allowed me to be able to minister to other people. The day I spoke about it and I was free to speak out publicly, have been able to cancel and help a lot of people mm. out of that same abuse yes. because one thing most women find, find so difficult is that forgiveness. Yes. Do you know? And I'm saying, no, no one is worth me 
going to heaven, um, not, to not making heaven. Mm -hmm. Already I've been violated here. You don't have the right to stop me from entering heaven. So, you know what? You're not forgiving that person. You're forgiving that person for yourself. They don't deserve it. But because of your relationship with God, you need to let go. And when you do, you just have this freedom and God just blesses you in a different way. So you need to let go because your life will release others from that same pain and that darkness that the enemy wants to hold you down with. I'm going to round up and then get, bring um, Cardi back in to finish to share the rest of the testimony. Because all that these guys are supposed they pitch the entire message. The first thing is you've got to realize you're going to have opposition. Secondly, you've got to retain your conviction. All of them, the three of them, you understand? I didn't even know my wife was going to share this, but the three of them retained their conviction that I can overcome this. I have God. It may look like he's hiding somewhere, but I know that he's always with me. Uh, conviction is worthless when it's not turned into conduct. You ha when you have a conviction, you have to do what they did. And one of the things our said, and also Kaidi, is it's nothing new. It's the same thing, but it's a different mindset. Because many people are coming to church, give me a new revelation. We're wanting to cancel us. Give me something new. But when I asked them, he listened to a podcast. She would say she will get into our home. And one of the things she shared with me, and I shared the last is, is after we finish this, you're still going back home. And home is the hardest place, really. But when you get back home, that's where the battle really is. You've got to be able to surround your mind with things of God. Flip the script. Use the word, use CDs, use um, 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 songs, you understand? If you hear a song in church, uh, download it, uh, get home. And then one of the things we both shared, and it was common to both of us, is that when I'm doing my quiet time, I am not very traditional. I, try, I remember a song. Of course, I can't remember the words. So I will, while I'm praying, I will go on my Google, Google the lyrics, and then start singing it and dancing around. Because that's when the words start to minister to you. And you will see sometimes the strays and worship leaders will say, stop the music, stop, and then you sing. And sometimes I'm saying, you personalize the song. When, when it says we, say I. Because then it starts to make sense. It's your conviction. And the last thing I want you to take away, which they said is, be have relentless determination. Rel you can't give up. Perseverance means succeeding because you're determined to, not because you're destined to. Perseverance. It means succeeding because you're determined to, not because you're destined to. God does not deal with luck. What the church is asking for favor is asking God to make them lucky without effort. Tell me how you got the job. Let's see if it was luck. Let's see if it was effort. Let's see if it was determination. Let's see your creative thought in the process. We've got five minutes, two minutes, three minutes. All right, three minutes. <laughs> Uh, I'll make it quick. So uh, I went there first time. Like I said, I could barely get into the door of most places. Uh, other places, I know I dropped my CV at reception and chances are as soon as I left, they would have thrown my CV in the bin. Um, so I didn't hear anything for about a month or two. And for people that work just generally like Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, like 
best time sort of a Friday afternoon. You're in that weekend mode, work's done, and you feel, yeah, a bit more relaxed. Everyone's more relaxed. So on a Friday afternoon, I went to Tesco's. I bought uh, three boxes of Krispy Kremes. And I stuck my CV onto the top of it, and I dropped it at the reception of the three biggest uh, operators in the airport. Dropped at reception. This is for you and your team. My CV stuck to the top in case you know someone that may want it. Uh, the following week, I got an email inviting me for an interview. Uh, I went for the interview. They said the interview would last 45 minutes. I was the interview was like 20 minutes, and then a further hour and a half of just conversation. They said uh, they've got more people to interview. They'll get back to me in about four weeks. I got home. I was telling my wife about the interview. Two hours later, they called me. And they said um, they really like me. I'm the sort of person they're looking for. They like my story. They like my struggle. They like my character. And that's the sort of person they want. They don't want someone, and that's nothing against them, but they don't want someone who decided when they were 20, oh, I want to be a pilot. Daddy paid 70,000 pounds, and you just went, and you came, and... There was no, there's no story, there's no struggle, there's no, there's no character building in that process. Come on. And um, basically, failing, uh, all, he'd like to offer me the job now, but I need to do a sim assessment. I need to actually know that I can fly. Uh, this was August 2017. Uh, one month, two months, three months, <laughs> nothing. Uh, December, I heard from them. Uh, they said they're going for a lot of structural changes within the company. That's why I haven't heard from them, but I should get a sim assessment soon. Um, February, I got a call asked, inviting me for a sim assessment. I got interviewed by two people, one person called Kevin, another person called Damon. Kevin had left, hmm. and Damon was there. He invited me for a sim assessment. I like to be prepared. Whatever it is I need to do on my end, I'm going to do it. Hmm. Um, the rest that I can't control, I have to leave to God. I don't know if you remember, in March it snowed. So the sim assessment got cancelled because I'd already booked a practice sim session somewhere else so I can practice my flying, get rid of the rust, and make sure that I perform well. Uh, he emailed me a week later. There's an opening at the sim. Can you come tomorrow? Well, tomorrow, okay. The answer is always yes. Whenever they ask, <laughs> the, an the answer is always yes. I tried to get a sim session to practice. I couldn't get anything. So I was going in there rusty. I felt unprepared. I felt nervous. That was some of the best flying I'd done during that sim assessment. Wow. It was amazing. And um, he said, I'd love to offer you a contract now. But again, there's still changes going through in the company. There was another guy there called Darren. We both passed the sim assessments. We exchanged numbers. We said we'll keep in touch. This was in March. I hadn't heard anything. So July, I thought I'd text Darren. Oh, have you heard anything from them? How's it going? Oh, yeah, I did hear from them. They offered me a contract last month. I just finished my type rating. My heart, <laughs> my heart sunk. My heart sunk. I was like, wow, like what? Not again. <laughs> no way, <laughs> no way. You can't, you can't be doing this to me. And um, he got typerated on the Learjet 75. Um, I was calling them. I wasn't really getting much back. They were always busy. And then in October, I got a call. Can you start typerating in two weeks? Okay, yes, yes I can. The answer is always yes, but again, I don't have a contract in front of me, I haven't signed anything, so nothing, in aviation, nothing's definite until it's definite. And um, I, was, I was hopeful. The calls kept on coming in, they were getting in touch with me, so it wasn't me chasing them, this time it was them chasing me. And everything was great. I was like, okay, I guess this is happening, I'm starting. Um, I got an email saying, we need a proof of address for HR, 
um, congratulations on your position with Zenith Aviation. It's like, okay, this is great. I jumped on the phone, I told my wife about it, I was ec ecstatic. I got off the phone to three emails of her trying to recall that email. <laughs> and my <laughs> words can't even describe how I felt in that moment. I got home, I told my wife, and again, I thank my wife for being supportive, very supportive. And in that moment, I almost went right back into that mode because I thought, well, it's done now. Because I, I know it just felt very familiar. That, that place of, okay, I'm not getting it anymore, and that's it. And um, to be, pos be positive, this is yours. We know this is yours. This is more perfect than even the Thomas Cook situation. God is just using the situation, sure. This is the cherry on top of the ice cream. I said, okay. So the next day, I emailed her. This was on a Wednesday. On a, on a Tuesday, I emailed her the proof of address anyway. I said, I'm remaining positive about the situation. Um, so this is a proof of address anyway. Um, so when you need it, you have it. She said, thanks for that. I'll, I'll get back to you. Uh, Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, nothing. Friday, I get an email from another... It wasn't... She was from Zenith. I get an email from someone from Marker Study. And it didn't, I didn't click initially. And it was... The parent company of that company is Marker Study. And they're huge. You can look at them, look, up, look them up afterwards. And it was my contract. My offer letter, contract, pre-signed. And... Not only are they paying for my typewriting, they're paying for my typewriting on the Learjet 45 and the Learjet 75. Wow. The Learjet 45 typewriting I've done. Again, all the exams, all the tests, I've passed those already. I did my bit. Uh, I had my first flight yesterday. I flew to Belgium and back. Um, it's been a dream for... It's been a dream for 10 years. Ten, ten years, I've been, I've been trying, <laughs> ten years, I've been working hard, everything I needed to do, right? I felt I did it, all the challenges, I thought I'd gone through these challenges already, like what more do I need to do? This airport is 25 minutes from my house, door to door, I don't have to pay for a typewriter, I'm getting typewriter on two planes. I don't have to move my family. It's, it's so ideal, it's unbelievable. And I can only thank God. I can, I can only thank God. And, and to make it even more interesting, the, I told you Kevin left. Damon, who was the only other person that knew me, he's leaving at the end of the year. Had he gone, no one else in that company knows me. No one else knows my story. That would have just been done. He's leaving. I'm in. I thank God. Mm. Just be, be faithful. Can we give God praise for this panel? What a wonderful time. It is breathtaking. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As we stand, can I say this? Weeping can persist through the night. Joy comes in the morning. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk. Alternatively, call us on 020 7435 
3939. You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.